How the hell do we control our emotions when we literally feel like we're about to explode? Let's get into it. How do we control our emotions when we set up boundaries and they're crossed? When I speak up, the other person makes me feel like the bad guy. How do we not get emotionally reactive? Okay, I freaking love this question. And the reason why I love it is that you're taking ownership. How do I become non-emotionally reactive? Because that's the thing, guys. You're never ever going to be able to control the other person, but you can control how you react to something. There's also one other thing. You can control how you approach it in the first place, because this is how I see it, guys. Setting a boundary with someone that you really care about, I'm going to put the asterisk there, someone you really care about, means that you have to show them respect. If you go in and say, hey, you've just crossed this line and you've done this and you've done that. Well, imagine someone comes to you like that. What do you do? You defend yourself. Of course you defend yourself. So what you want to do is make sure that when you're taking that very first step where someone's overstepped their mark, crossed your boundary, whatever it is, that you approach it in a really non-emotional stance. So if you're looking to approach it, are you happy? Are you sad? Are you frustrated? Really acknowledge what emotion you're feeling and make sure that you do it when what I like to call emotionally sober. It means that you're not drunk on your emotions. Why do I like to say that? Because we've all, in case if you've ever had alcohol, you know you have a couple of sips of alcohol, you're dancing, you're doing things, maybe you say something you shouldn't, and the next day you regret it. It's exactly like emotions. You may say something, you may do something that the next day you're going to regret. So how the hell do we stay emotionally sober? So first of all, make sure that you approach the discussion when you're calm, when you're in a good mood, when you're happy. Now it's about what language are you going to use so that you can, quote unquote, control the situation as much as you possibly can. Now, when I say that, like I said, you're not going to be able to control how they respond, but it's absolutely imperative that you do go into the situation knowing that you can control how you approach it. So what I do is I think about the language. I think about who I'm about to speak to. So I'm actually going to give you an example that happened between me and my adorable husband. It was during my days as a stay-at-home wife. And I literally would rely on him to text me. I was bored. I would be texting him. I'd be calling him. And he just got really freaking busy. He loved working hard. He loved being an entrepreneur. And so time to him became very valuable. So what ended up happening was he was coming to me just with one word answers. And it got to the point, guys, where literally I would be like, hey, babe, what time are you coming? Just want to let you know that I'm cooking this. And his response was K. The letter K. Now, I love my husband to bits, but to me, I started to feel like I wasn't really important to him. And so I thought, you know what? I need to talk to him about where I see the boundaries of being where you can be somewhat neglectful towards me, which actually I've actually told him you can totally neglect me on these situations. So where I am okay with feeling neglected and where I'm just not okay. And I think setting that boundary is super, super important. But you can imagine if I went to him and I was like, hey, motherfucker, I want you to stop saying K. It is so disrespectful. I can't believe you don't even have the respect to, to write the o, the o. Do you not love me or something? That's one way of handling it. The way that I actually handled this was knowing how much my husband loves me, knowing that he wants to make me happy, knowing why he's doing K, so I'm not coming at him like he's doing something wrong. It's just a difference of opinion. 
It's a difference of opinion. So I just went to him and I said, hey, this is where I draw the line. I love you, baby. I'm so, you know, in it. I totally understand that time is very, you know, important to you. And so I'm showing him the respect. I know this is important to you, babe. And so I want to back that. I want to be there for you to support you. But this is actually where the final line is. And now we've spilled over. See, I'm not I'm saying we have spilled over. I'm not saying he has spilled over. Or I'm not saying he's crossed, right? Even just those differences, guys. We have spilled over versus you have crossed. All the difference in the freaking world. So I watch the language I use. We have spilled over into not having a very tight communication and I start to feel, I use the word feel because it is not a fact, I feel it. He can go, well, I don't feel like that. So now what are you doing? You're just arguing about how you feel. But I don't want to argue about how I feel. So I say feel because I want him to know that it is an emotional reaction. And when he knows it's an emotional reaction, he's not just trying to convince me otherwise. Like literally try and convince someone they don't feel the way they do. You can't. You can talk through it with them. You can get um, empathy. You can see it from their perspective. Maybe you can help them change their perspective, but you can't convince the person that their feeling isn't real. So I We don't try to convince each other. He doesn't try to convince me. So I say, babe, I feel more disconnected to you. Just putting that K, I totally get that you probably don't, right? Making him see that I understand his perspective. And there you go. Once I said, babe, I really feel like this. I would love it. I would love it. Asking, being part of it, not demanding, because who the hell wants to be told what to do? I certainly don't. So I literally use these language and what does he do now he basically said i totally hear you babe i'm going to make the effort to do the o and now we have lovely text messages and if he's in a rush he just texts me okay and i'm totally fine with it so that's how you address the boundary in the first place now if you've gone into it really thinking really analyzing trying to be like super respectful and really trying to make an effort to put this boundary in place but do it in like the most gracious way and they don't reciprocate and they come at you and they're like, I don't agree with this. And they try and bulldoze you or they try and wreck your boundary or they try and cross it and disrespect it blatantly to your face. Because that may happen, guys. If they do that, now at least you can come saying, I did everything I possibly could to set this boundary up and my relationship with this person for success. But now at some point, it's going to have to be down to them. It's going to have to be down to how they then react to it. And so for me, if I've done all this work, all this effort to really create space and someone then just disrespects me, going back to how do you not emotionally react? In that moment, I can just revert to, I'm so proud of myself, Lisa. I'm so proud of myself for having gone into this situation with utter dignity, respect, low emotions, thoughtfulness. And now if someone's not responding, I will tell myself before I go into that conversation, what's your freaking exit plan? So I ask, what is the exit plan? Now, if Tom had turned around and said to me, Lisa, I don't give a shit about the O, like you're gonna get the K and that's it. Well, now that becomes a discussion about the disrespect. But let's say they're not even willing to discuss. Now it's up to you on what you want to do about it. Do you wanna freak out? Or go back to your action plan and say, they are showing me their true colors. That's what I would do. I literally go, Don't worry about getting emotional, Lisa, but just don't react to it. In that moment where they respond the way they do, take a deep breath, be proud of yourself, and then say, now the ball is in my court. I can walk away knowing that I'm proud. I think we get very emotionally reactive when we feel shame, when we feel guilt, when we feel 
um, embarrassed. At least I do. And so knowing that I've shown up with such freaking respect allows me to walk away with no emotional reaction. I don't know if overwhelm is an emotion, but it's my biggest challenge. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then one more thing gets added and I lose my shit, and I'm very not fine. I would love ideas on how to cope when it seems like an avalanche of stressful demands threaten to take me out. Oh my God, if if there was any question I could relate to, it is this one, because I used to be there. I was the one that used to tell myself, suck it up, Lisa. I had a very negative self-talk. Suck it up, Lisa, you're a wuss. Come on, you can take it. Come on, you can take it. Because it would make me stronger, or I thought. Now, what that ended up doing is leading me to the hay that broke the camel's back. It's freaking cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, guys. Because think about this situation. You're taking on a problem. Taking on another problem. Taking on another problem. Those becomes bloody hay on your back. And now, It builds, it builds, it builds. At some point, you're freaking human. At some point, any person on earth would break. Now, everyone has different thresholds. Don't feel badly about where your threshold is. What I've decided to do is say, all right, Lisa, no judgment. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else and recognize that the strategy you're using right now doesn't serve you. So if we can just stop for a second, I think you've actually recognized it even just by asking the question but I do just want to make sure that we are on the same page. Take a second and say, this isn't going to fly. This strategy doesn't work. What I'm currently doing doesn't get me to my goal. All right, amazing. Now we've all decided that the way that we are acting right now doesn't get us to where we want to go. So knowing all of that, knowing that the stress can actually build, even if you feel like you still want to take on the load, at least you have something to go back to. I know that I cannot physically keep doing this. I've been there before, I've seen it happen. So I know I can't. All right, we've all established something needs to change and that you need to be able to change in order to manage your stress. Great, now we actually know what we have or that we have to change and what we're trying to get to. Now we can assess how do we actually get there? What are the steps I need to take? And what I do is because we're all different, guys, we're all different. So what I would suggest is go back to the next time you lost your shit. We all have them. Don't freaking pretend. You may have tried to bury it in your closet, but we all have them. The moments we're super embarrassed about, the moments we're ashamed about, the moments we're like, oh my God, I hope I never see that person again because I flipped my shit so much and they were witness. What was that moment? All right, now if you've all got it, de-escalate the judgment, remove the shame, remove the embarrassment. Because guys, if you're sitting there at home going, yeah, I have one of those, you can guarantee almost everyone watching this video has one. So you can remove the shame to think that, oh my God, I'm, you know, different. I'm the only person that's ever reacted like that. Hell no, I've got so many. I've got so many that I'm embarrassed of, that I'm ashamed of, that literally I'm like, I can't believe, Lisa, you ever did that, that you acted like that. That's, that's, that is shameful. But once I removed that word, once I was able to go, okay, I can't change my past. You can't change your past. So now how can I use it to motivate me and empower me for the future? So you've got this like the major flip out, lost your shit moment, right? Now start backtracking. Like actually, if you have to sit there and write it out, write it out, but start backtracking on when it all started. When were the moments you can identify, started to get a little rattled up. For me, 
I start to realize my heart starts to race, which means that what ends up happening is I can't articulate properly. Now I'm still in the throes of escalating, but this is a sign that I've realized. So now what have I done? I've got it in my little tool belt to know that when I can't articulate properly, when my words aren't coming out properly, it's a freaking sign. It's a sign that I'm getting very stressed. It's a sign that I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. All of this guys has been in hindsight of looking at the time that I lost my shit and backtrack. So I do different things. I look at, okay, it's the heart racing. Okay, it's the words. My face gets flushed. When my face starts getting a little warm, these are all red flags that I start to put in place so that I can use the next time. I'm not shaming myself for the past. I'm just using it as an amazing tool to then remember next time. All right, so I've just listed a couple of things there. Then I go to when I'm feeling overwhelmed, what do I do? What do I do in those moments of overwhelm? What is my go-to things that I know that are going to help me in those moments? You have to sit down and really identify what they actually are. Is it music? Music is my freaking jam. Like you put on Destiny's Child, I'm a survivor, and you better, you better freaking know that I am like wiggling my tush and I'm in a much better mood and now I feel less overwhelmed. You need a disruptor. You need that one freaking thing that in that moment of overwhelm, if you've missed all your signs, that now you can stop, right? So think about it as being the stepping stones process. You put these red flags, but you may miss them. What happens if you miss them, right? Okay, you start to yell or you start to like, your voice starts to really get, okay, well, shit, you've actually missed the first signals, but don't beat yourself up. Now you're in your second part of it where you're like, oh, this is where I need the music because I actually failed over here. Don't just like, oh, I've put something, it failed, and now I'm like the whole day's lost. Don't be that person that is on a diet or trying to eat healthy and then they eat a cookie and they're like, well, screw it, my entire day is lost, so I may as well just stuff my face full of sugar. Don't be that person. It's the same situation here, guys. If you fail, if you don't see the red flag, don't just fucking dismiss the whole shit and be like, well, then there you go, and now I'm overwhelmed and I may as well just lose my shit altogether. You don't have to go there. It becomes stepping stone. So that's where you can use music, but you need to identify what that disruptor is for you. And then every time after that, guys, it's gonna be a rinse and repeat. It is going to be a rinse and repeat. It is freaking habit. You are, how long does it take to do a habit? I think books say 30 days. So let's just go with 30 days. All the professionals I've had on my show say about 30 days it takes to create a habit. So now imagine you've just done that once. Well, don't beat yourself up for not freaking being great at it. Don't beat yourself up for losing your shit again. Just go, okay, I lost my shit again. All right, well, what can I learn this time? And then you go back to your red flags and you start adjusting them. You go back to your tool belt of what your disruptors are and you adjust them. And then you get into a habit. And then the next time you keep doing it and you keep doing it until it becomes a habit. But you've got to stay positive. You've got to stay energetic. You've got to stay excited if I can even say that about a boundary and oh feeling overwhelmed but just look at the way that I talk about it just look at my movements and how funny and like energetic I get I do it on purpose I do it to motivate myself so that I know when I freak out again when I shouldn't have or when I know better or when I've been doing this for you know let's say a year and all of a sudden I'm back to square one again I know I can't beat myself up because I'm always looking to see how I can then use that to do better. And that, my dear, is how you prevent incredible overwhelm. 
How can women assert themselves about a certain situation without being too masculine and dominant at work with male colleagues? Women are so often perceived as bossy when they're really just confident in ourselves as powerful individuals. All right, I love this question and it's going to be a little tricky. I want to just turn up and be like, you be you girl and you just go and don't care about anyone else and you got this. But I ain't going to lie to you. Like that would be too easy and that would be an absolute freaking lie because I'm the person that goes, what's my goal? Like, what am I trying to achieve and how do I get there? If you go in just going, oh, I'm just going to be me and I don't really care if anyone like, then are you actually getting to your goal? Well, you just said that you want to be perceived as your, you know, confident, unique individual self. So if that's what you really want, then how do you go in there to, um, to be perceived as that? If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So here are the tricky things. And I'm taking a deep breath because you may hate what I'm about to say. But this, if you let it, guys, come on in, come closer. Because if you let it, this can change your entire life. 
All right, so here we go. Live in the world that is, not the world you wish it was. What I mean by that, guys, is you can't change the world as much as we wish we could. You won't be able to walk in a room and force everyone to see you a certain way. That's not reality. So what is reality? Reality is, is that when you walk into a room, whether it's with men or with women, they're going to have their own perceptions based on where they come from, what their experiences are, what they have seen growing up, what they have done in business, what their experiences are, they are bringing to the table too. So now, understanding and knowing that, you need to go into the situation saying, how do I make sure that I am very true to who I am because I don't suggest anyone just fake it or bullshit or try to go in and just be bullish. But I do think you should go in with how do I show up as my true self to get me to where I want to go. So for instance, perfect example, guys. I freaking like taking care of people. I'm Greek. When people come to my house, I'm like always like, oh my God, do you want tea? Do you want coffee? Do you want snacks? Oh my God, here you go. Like that's just me. And over time, as we started to build quests and as I started to get into more and more board meetings, I started to be seen as like, oh, Lisa, can you get coffee? asking me to get coffee and I literally got offended guys I got offended and I turned to Tom one day in our private moment and I'm like babe why do people keep freaking treating me like I'm like the tea woman like I don't mind but like why, why am I now the one every time I walk into a room is it because I'm a woman like that was where my mind went and he just turns to me and he's like babe you've earned your reputation you walked in there every time for the last two years every meeting the first thing that comes out of your mouth is do you want a cup of tea or do you want a cup of coffee See, now you've earned this reputation and now that you want and you're changing and you're growing, you want to be seen in a different way. You expected everyone else to just absolutely adopt this new you? Or have you built a reputation with them so much so that now you're working to change that reputation? And instead of getting offended by it, look at your behavior and look at how you can be responsible for how you show up. So you can imagine, I was like, but I like making coffee but I don't like being treated like the coffee lady, right? So you've got these two things. I like feeling like this. I like taking care of people, but I didn't like how it, I was being perceived. So instead of being binary, guys, instead of saying, okay, well, I have to be one or the other. I'm either going to be the coffee lady or I'm going to be a freaking badass and you come into my house. I'm not fucking offering you a cup of tea. Like, what? I just, just like, hang on a minute. Why do I actually have to choose one? Why can I not look at the situation and say, Lisa, with your eyes wide open, knowing that when I make tea and coffee, I know the result. Do I want to keep doing it? Yes or no. If I don't want to keep doing it because of the result, then change my behavior. So, but I still like it. So what I did is now I just choose my situations. I literally go into a situation and say, is this something? Is this an area or a category of my life, of my business, whatever it is, that I want to be seen in a certain way? And if it is, then I'm going to adjust my behavior in order to act then accordingly. So what I do now is if it's team, if it's like more of a chill, if it's like a meeting, I'm like, hey, does anyone want anything to drink? And I'll bring out snacks. But when it's shoot time, when it's ready to get down to business, when we have to make business decisions, I just go into a different mode and I carry myself differently. I'm not squeaky. I walk in in a very different way. My body language is different. But that's all been practiced over and over time. And so now in 
all honesty, guys, I've been able to have both. I'm able to fluctuate over to here where I can be my true feminine freaking self, where I'm like taking care of people because that's what I like. And then I can also be over here where I'm not a pushover. I come in with utter confidence. And if someone says that I'm rude or I'm a bitch, that's on them. That's their perspective. But I've done the internal work. I've looked hard at myself. I've actually looked with my open eyes, with no filters. And so once I'm able to look at myself and look at my behaviors and look at the habits and look at what's authentically me and the results I'm getting, then I can actually just act in accordance. How do you face conflict without fear or discomfort showing so no one knows what you feel? All right, you may absolutely hate this answer, but I'm gonna be super freaking true and honest so that you know how I actually work through my fear and discomfort. I just embrace it. You may feel utter discomfort in embracing the fear, but I'm gonna tell you something, guys. It's the only tactic that worked for me. I tried to fake it. I tried to ignore it. I tried to pretend it wasn't there. I tried to show up and not actually acknowledge it. None of that worked. I just felt like crippling anxiety inside. Like the fear actually got worse. It just built it up more and more. So what I do now, like this is literally, what I do now is because I felt everything else. What I do now is I just address it. So for instance, I was asked to do this Zoom um, big event recently. And of course it was my friend. So I was like, absolutely. And then they were like, oh, and just so you know, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg the rapper is gonna go before you. I'm sorry, what? The epic icon himself, Snoop Dogg. And you want me to follow him? Well, you can imagine the fear, the anxiety, the discomfort. And so, you know, guys, I don't often do public speaking. So it's not even like it is in front of the camera where I've had hours and hours of practice. So I'm already shitting myself that I've got to do this Zoom event in front of, uh, I think it was like tens of thousands of people online. I'm already in my own head about that. And now they're going through the fact that I go on after freaking Snoop Dogg. So I was like, all right, how do I overcome this? And I was like, well, Lisa, you know that you're terrible. You know that you've tried. You know, over these last few years, you've tried not to show your fear. So what I did is the very first words on the video as I joined Zoom, right? So Snoop Dogg's just got off. Everyone's freaking in awe. They bring me on the Zoom call. And I'm like, guys, I just got to freaking say, how the hell am I supposed to follow Snoop Dogg? I just owned it. Like I legitimately just owned it. And you know what it did? It brought my fucking fear down to zero. It brought my anxiety down to zero because I just literally said out loud, really guys, you're just setting me up for utter disaster because who on earth can fucking follow, follow Snoop Dogg? Certainly not me, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And then I just went into it. It just allowed me to ah, take a deep breath. And I've done it multiple times, guys. I've literally just owned where I'm nervous, where I'm tense, where I'm fearful. And that's where I ended up getting my confidence. People want the confidence first. They want the confidence in order to show up, in order not to have the discomfort. But I'm telling you, you're doing yourself a freaking disservice. You're not setting yourself up for success if that's how you approach it. Don't wait to have the confidence. Do it anyway, without the freaking confidence. And then over time, it will allow you more and more to do the things that make you fearful because you just proved it to yourself that you've just done it. 
And the second piece of tip I'm going to give you guys is from my girl, Vanessa Van Edwards. When she told me this, it freaking blew my mind. She said, when you're going to give an example of a job interview, if you don't know Vanessa, she's a recovering, awkward person. So she knows body language, tone, and all of that good stuff. So she starts telling me, when you go into a job interview, so she tells me that every single person is going to drop the ball at some point. And when I say drop the ball, it means that not everyone's freaking perfect, that you're going to mess up, you're going to do something that everyone's like, what the fuck, at some point. Now, the question is, when do you do that? So she said, if you go into a job interview, you're actually way better off on dropping the ball in the first five minutes of the conversation. Why? Because everyone knows that no one is perfect. So when people meet you for the first time, they're looking for that little thing, like, what are they trying to cover up? Eh, What are they doing here? Now, if you just show your true colors at the beginning of the conversation, so you mess up, you stumble, you spill your drink, you mumble words, whatever the fear that you're about to do, like just show it in the first five minutes. And now people go, oh, wow, they were just so transparent. I actually trust them. And what ends up happening is they like you more than if you didn't show it in the first five minutes. Isn't that fascinating? Now, here's the other part that's even more fascinating. If you try and hide that, if you try and hide the thing that you're so worried that you're going to show and you drop it at the end of the conversation somehow, because you're going to slip up, right? We all do. So if you're trying to hide this thing that you don't want other people to see and you end up slipping up towards the end, you know what ends up happening? People think you're less trustworthy. Say what? You're actually less trustworthy that you're trying to be your, your cool collective self than if you showed it in the first five minutes. Now, honestly, when I use that stat, it just, in my own mind, gave me permission, gave me permission to then just say, cool, then if Vanessa Van Edwards says that this is how it's done and this is how people perceive you, then there's no arguing with the data. So I gave it a shot. And that was exactly when I tried it with the Snoop Dogg and I literally had so much fun and I had zero fear by the end of it. So use those things. Use what I've just given you as actually a tool. And it's going to take time. As I always say, it's going to take practice. You're going to be super uncomfortable. But what I literally say is don't worry about showing it because that actually can be so freaking beautiful. Can you please speak about how to prevent yourself from falling for someone you hit it off with from the beginning too quickly? All right, so I'm always the person who's just gonna ask the really freaking honest questions. Why do you think it's too quickly? Like, I'm not sure where there's a rule guide or a rule book to say, well, well, we should do this and we shouldn't do that. Now, if you're coming from experience and you're saying, you know what, in my past relationship, I came in it too quickly and I ended up getting hurt. And so I'm now assessing my past relationships and looking at what I can do to improve on. Okay, if you're coming in like that, then I actually get it. So let's just assume that's where you're coming from. I would backtrack as I always do, guys. I don't feel guilty. I don't, I try, try not to carry shame or guilt with me. I just look back and I say, I can't change my past, but what can I do to use it as a superpower? So I look back to that relationship. So let's say this is why you're asking. So look back at that relationship and say, what are the flags that you wish you had actually recognized and done something different? Because let's say, for instance, you fall for someone and you're like, oh my God, this is the one. But you're not sure if they actually want to date, let alone like get married and have kids or whatever you're looking for. So 
I would say backtrack and say, where were the moments where you feel like it wasn't reciprocated? Because I'm going to be freaking honest, guys. I met Tom and we both fell for each other immediately. And we both wanted to make the relationship work long distance. And we both wanted to get together after nine months and get engaged. And we both wanted to get married and live in America together. So you can understand when I say quickly, it is, is it because one person is one one, one person is the other? That's where I think it can become a problem. But in hindsight, when I look back at my relationship with Tom, I'm like, oh my God, that was freaking quick. Like after dating for him for like a month, he came over to London and stayed with me in London with my mom at my mom's house. Now, is that too quickly? Maybe, but we were both had the same um, framing. We were both seeing that relationship in the same way. Our feelings were growing together. So it didn't seem like there was a mismatch or a disconnect. But if you're finding that you're falling too quickly and that's where you get hurt because there is a disconnect, then the great news is number one, you've actually recognized it. Now, like I said, you need to go back in time and recognize where were the things where you felt like you were really engaged and you were sensing they weren't. What was that moment? Also, I literally just did an interview with my boy Matthew Hussey about this very thing. So like, go check out that episode where we really do dive into a deep discussion about making sure that you're both on the same page and the language you can use. Like, it doesn't have to be scary. Like, you shouldn't feel the fear of bringing up your relationship or feel the fear of actually asking people where it's going. As long as it's not like, all right, where's it going? How long? Like, that can become pressure. So I would say create a space where you can talk to this person really openly with no judgment. Because here's the thing, if you're looking to get married within a year and they're looking and they're not, no one's right. No one's wrong. It's not like you're right and they're wrong or they're right and you're wrong. So you just have to acknowledge that this is what is true to you. And now if you're dating someone, are they the right person to be able to sit them down and have this discussion with them? Because if all of a sudden you sit down and you're like, you know, you don't have to say in a really serious way, like sit down and it's like, all right, so where's this relationship going? Where are we going to be in a year? You don't have to do it like that. That becomes very intense and intimidating. But I would just do it really casually. Like, oh, so hey, like, what are you actually looking for? You know, and then start to see where they are in the relationship. You don't even have to say where you are. You can just ask the questions to gauge where they are. And now if you are in a different place to them, Now you have to assess if that's something that you want to continue, because what may end up happening is in hindsight, you're going to look back and say, wow, I was in it way too quickly. And now you're going to find yourself back here again. So the actual tactics are assess where you are in the relationship, figure out where they are in a super casual chit chatty way. And then don't be afraid to just own what is important to you and as well as recognize where the red flags are and when they're being waved.